Since the day fans traded their John the Baptist jerseys for Jesus jerseys, crowds followed Jesus everywhere. They even followed him to the desert when he tried to get away. Some of those very followers followed Jesus to his new headquarters city in Capernaum. Since Jesus hung up his hammer in Nazareth, he started to hang his hat in Capernaum. Capernaum became his ministry headquarters, and that's where Jesus was that day. It didn't take two seconds for everyone in town to hear that the healer was here. They filled the house. Jesus' disciples could not believe Jesus' popularity. They saw the crowds coming, did some quick math, and realized the house was way too small to hold everyone inside. So they set up a few more chairs. They were so excited. They tweeted, had to set up extra chairs in our new church plant on one of our first services. Hashtag revival. And then more and more and more and more and more people showed up. They were out of chairs and out of room. The house was full. The courtyard in the front of the house was full. Mark records it was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house. Nobody came because of the beautiful building or the creative kids program or the liquid caffeine at the cafe. Nobody came because of the toe tap and hand clapping music. They all came because they heard Jesus was there. And they came from everywhere, from every walk of life, well-known, wealthy, white-collar aristocrats, and unknown blue-collar don't have two shekels to rub together, poor folk. They were all there. You could hear, excuse me, pardon me, I need to get by, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, as people squeezed in and filled every square foot of that house. Jesus knew they weren't there to talk soybean prices. They wanted to see the wonder worker work a wonder. That's why Jesus' next action is so telling. Rather than work a wonder for them, he preached the word to them. Because he did not come to impress them, he came to save them. That's why he came for them, and that's why he comes for us. And I want to share more about that story right after this. Good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you are listening to We Interrupt This Message for a Miracle on Simplify. Jesus could have impressed them if he wanted to. He could have shown off. He could have told everybody what they had for lunch three weeks ago, all the way down to the brand of barley loaf. But rather than show off, Jesus showed us it's most important that we hear the word of God. While Jesus was in mid-message, a group of four guys carrying one paralyzed guy on a stretcher came to the house. The crowd shook their heads and stood their ground. How dare such a visitor come expecting better seats than they had, and they got there first. Come to think of it, they didn't even have seats. Trying to squeeze past them was like trying to cut in line at Target on Black Friday. Hey, hey, no room here, buddy. I was here first. You keep it moving. Not the friendliest church in town. That would have been enough to deflate most people's faith, but not these guys. Their buddy was paralyzed. His only hope was Jesus. They had to get to him because barring a miracle, their friend would never walk. He may never even talk, since palsy could shut down one entire side of the body. So rather than turn back, they looked up, and they saw it. The only part of the house where nobody would get in their way, it was the roof. They started climbing. They made it up the stairs. They made it to the roof, and they started clawing and tearing tiles off the roof. I would love to hear the phone call for that insurance claim. But Jesus stopped preaching. The crowd stopped listening. They all looked up as four faith-filled friends ripped apart the roof and lowered their paralyzed buddy on a cot down to Jesus. And Scripture says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. 
Some in the crowd saw an interruption, but Jesus saw faith, and faith is never an interruption. You can get what you need from God at any time. If you're desperate for a touch from God, don't wait for an official invitation to the altar on Sunday. In fact, don't even wait for Sunday. God will respond to faith and a need. Everybody waited to see what Jesus would say, see what Jesus would do. Maybe he would scold them for interrupting him. (laughs) Gentlemen, I'm important. That was rude. You better say you're sorry. Or maybe he'd make them pay for the roof repair. But Jesus was attracted to their faith. Faith brought the paralytic in the first place to that place. Faith climbed a roof. Faith ripped open a roof. And faith lowered him through the roof to Jesus. We have no idea if the man on the mat had faith, but his friends did. And that was enough. Everybody was on the edge of their seat, if they had a seat, leaning in where they were standing because they wanted to see how would Jesus respond. And Jesus broke the awkward silence and called him son. Boy, that felt good. It felt good to be called a son again, not just a cripple, not just handicapped, not just disabled. It felt good to be called a son. And Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. Philip looked over toward Andrew. Did he not read the prayer request card? They didn't bring him with a sin problem. They brought him with a palsy problem. His friends probably thought, what is Jesus doing? He doesn't need forgiveness. He needs healing. He needs to walk and talk. But Jesus actually gave him what he really needed. He needed forgiveness. He could live with paralysis, but he would be lost without mercy. The religious rabble looked at Jesus' business card. They expected to see the word carpenter scratched out and the word preacher penciled in. They just thought Jesus was a woodworker and maybe, maybe a wonder worker, but he was no sin forgiver. Now that was God's territory. He was far above his pay grade. By claiming to forgive sins, Jesus was claiming to be God. And these men knew the scripture, but they did not know the one who authored scripture was actually standing in human flesh 10 feet away. Their hearts churned with anger. Jesus spoke again, but this time to them. What's the matter, gentlemen? Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Let me ask you a question. Is it easier to say to him, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? Is it easier for me to forgive him or to heal him? Well, they knew the answer to that. It was easier for Jesus to say, your sins are forgiven. There's no way to verify it. You couldn't see if the scoreboard of his sins actually reset to zero. Anybody could say it. Only God could do it. Then Jesus continued, but that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Jesus said what this man had been waiting all day, maybe all his life to hear. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Every eye turned to the man on the mat. Would he really walk? Could Jesus really stand toe-to-toe with paralysis and paralysis blink first? We might ask it like this in our day. Can Jesus really heal cancer? Can Jesus really heal Parkinson's? Can Jesus really heal ALS, diabetes, high blood pressure? Congestive heart failure, fibromyalgia, cerebral palsy, MS, Alzheimer's, lupus, every other disease in the doctor's dictionary. Can Jesus really heal them? And I would tell you, every one of them I just mentioned, I know somebody who struggled or struggles with them. But I also know this. Yes, he can. He can heal and he can forgive. Nothing is too hard for him.
And the man, formerly known as Paralyzed, got up off his cot, picked up his cot, and walked home. Maybe that's why Jesus healed that man that day. So all of us would know the same one who heals us has also the power to forgive us and save us. And all he's looking for from us is faith. I would like to pray right now that God would give us faith. I do believe the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more miracles and wonders we're going to see. But they're not going to be just to give us a cushy, comfy life. They are going to be to point our eyes and our hearts to Jesus to understand he does not only heal, he also forgives and he saves. And I want to pray God would do all of that in his name. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your great and your mercy and your goodness. Thank you for your power, for sharing it with us, for working miracles, working wonders in our midst. I thank you, God. I pray, Lord, right now, I feel so much faith. I pray you would work so many miracles, work wonders, heal cancer, heal diabetes, heal Alzheimer's. I pray, God, you would work miracles in diseases that there's not a cure, but you have the cure. Do it, I pray, for your glory and for our faith, that we would look to you, that we would worship you, that we would live for you, that we would live our lives wholly devoted, dedicated to you. Point our hearts to you, Jesus. Point our eyes to you, Jesus. We love you. We trust you. You can have our faith. We pray this today in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the great God of glory. Amen. Amen. I feel such tremendous faith. Right now, I do believe God is able and willing to work these miracles on our behalf. Hey, be sure to click subscribe and share, and you won't miss an episode, your friends won't miss an episode, and hopefully this will help bolster and build up their faith as well to the glory of God. Visit me at PentecostalPublishing.com. I've got a couple of books there, and you can pick up Simplify, the devotional that launched this podcast, and 10 Words, a practical look at the Ten Commandments, both available there in softcover. Or you can get them at Amazon for Kindle, or you can hear 10 words on Audible. Also, the books are available at Paragraphs Bookstore right here in Colonial, Scenic, Historic, Beautiful, Charming, Mount Vernon, Ohio. Next week, I want to share with you a devotion called The Widow's Son. And I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week. And always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.